Hey, what's up, guys? It's Ben from United Q. It's Wednesday, which means we have another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. I'm here with my co-host, Dan. What's up? And we're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products and top-notch service with free advice for beginners and pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade or looking for charcoal cabinet smokers, then check them out at Max Barbecue. Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the United States and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. And Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation from smoking, roasting or searing. Kamado Joe is the premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin star chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk and Facebook and Twitter. And before we get into today's show, we're just going to let's have a quick chat because this week's the week that uh, the announcement of QFest yeah, just so, uh, just gone out, isn't it? Over the yeah. weekend, teams signing up, judges' courses signing up. It's awesome to finally be out there with the proper details. It's on the KCBS website. Um, yeah, if you want to register, then go to qfest.unitedq.com, and there's all the details on there for all the different rounds. Any questions? Message uqunitedq at gmail dot com. Uh, Do you want to run through? Yeah, like, what's well, on there? well, basically. The the idea sort of came across. We obviously being sort of uh, crazy barbecue enthusiasts like we are, like we chat to all the barbecue guys. We 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 ourselves wanted to attend as many sort of barbecue events as possible in the UK, and uh, we often look at our neighbours. Sort of, uh, I don't know, say Australia, Europe, America, and uh, and just see the amount of barbecue sort of events that are popping up all over the world, and and it, it just. I know it blows us away and makes us think that we wish we had a little bit more going on here in the UK. Mm. So there's a few guys already doing it here, but if it's yeah, gonna, doing, if doing it's, an awesome job as well. If it's going to get any bigger, then it, more people just need to get involved. So we said instead of just saying about it, let's do it. So Yeah, not being willing to just sit in there moaning there's not enough. Let's just let's try and one. do something. <laughs> so uh, so yes, yeah, so we, we, we thought about what we wanted to do. And again, a common theme across the world was sort of KCBS competitions. And, mm. and that's what what people were sort of there. Uh, I don't know, it just sort of, for me, it sort of stitched us together with the rest of the world rather yeah. than rather than just doing our own thing and and, yeah. and I don't know, just just make building some common ground with the rest of the world and, and just doing something like that. So mm-hmm. I thought, so we thought that was the best way to go would be down the KCBS route and we had all these ideas and we've sort of, I don't know, spent, it feels like Far years. Long. It feels like years <laughs> t- talking about all sorts of stuff, yeah. having all sorts of meetings, and mm. and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just come down to get going, get going. <laughs> let's just get going, get it out there. Let's get the let's get the competition going for its first year. And and yeah, build from there. So mm. thanks to all the support so far, guys. Everyone that signed up. If you haven't signed up, then get signing up. Yeah. Uh, if you're a competition team that wants to compete, sign up. If you're a sponsor that wants to sponsor, sign up. If you're a trader that wants to trade, sign up. Uh, and if you're a member of the public that just wants to come along and uh, and enjoy some a good weekend, there's we're on a brewery site. Mm. Uh, Higher Amber Farm is the 
is the location and Red Rock Brewery is the brewery. They do some awesome beers. So if you want to come down to Devon, onto the uh, south coast, uh, one of the most beautiful places that I consider in the world, and uh, and just check out some awesome barbecue, some awesome beer, and then uh, yeah, then sign on up. There'll be there'll be information coming out this week for the public, and also judges, guys, any judges that want to come along, uh, KCBS certified judges, or if you would like to become a KCBS certified judge, we're running a judges class as well. So so yeah, so you're more than welcome to come along, do the judges class the Friday, and then judge the competition. We have a, a number of experienced judges already signed up, but uh, always looking for more. And and yeah, so mm-hmm. on top of that, we w- we wanted to let KCBS obviously is the main event, but we also wanted to make sure that we've covered lots of other stuff for everyone else as well. So by adding our own categories on to the Saturday, and Dan rather cleverly has managed to get every single one of these categories to be a World Food Championship qualifier. So we've now got awesome stuff. We've got bacon, burger, seafood, um, an SCA. So what's that? It's a, it's a steak cook-off, cook-off association. association. Yeah, yeah, and a chili cook-off as well. Yeah, and all of those qualify you for World Food Championship status. So you could be yeah. So basically, you you automatically qualify, and, and yeah, mm. so you get the opportunity to to go and compete at the World Food Championships. Mm. Uh, a, a, and battle to be confirmed or or placed in the in the top uh, sort of in that category cooks in the world, which mm. is pretty epic in itself. It's gonna make like a big difference to people as well, can't it? Like the guys, um, yeah, beefy boys. Yeah, I mean, so, so they went over. Beefy boys won that after cooking burgers at grill stock and just I don't know, like just wanted to do it as a thing, and, and then it just has absolutely blown up, and, and now they're really successful restaurateurs and uh, doing loads of stuff at events and just absolutely epic guys and don't take anything from them they're absolutely amazing the burgers absolutely rock the the guys are absolute legends and, and yeah mm. so it just shows how how much it can actually propel you into the limelight and, and really help you get things started so so yeah I think it is potentially a really big thing for a lot of people uh, so so get involved guys and it's all included in the one fee so the one fee for teams to sign up that includes all of the ancillary rounds which also includes two steaks for the SCA steak cook-off because we order all of the steaks and there's sort of like a you draw numbers and uh, it's sort of like bingo you draw numbers out of a hat and uh, 100 <coughs> yeah, start, and, so. and you get a <laughs> oh my god two fat ladies or like 88 and do you know what I mean that sort of thing you get your number called and you have like don't, don't call them that <coughs> you have like 60 seconds to pick your two steaks to cook mm. uh, yeah so see so yeah, exciting times that's all included in the price it's an absolute epic location. It's a brewery. Uh, we're going to be there. That. I don't know whether that's a good thing or bad thing, but also it's yeah, a. We'll be doing photos for people if they want to. Yeah, book signing, book signings, yeah, stuff know, like that. So no big deal. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, pretty big deal. But anyway, yeah, people probably wanna just want to pay the entry fee just to come and meet us. Maybe, <laughs> don't they? I don't know. <laughs> so that's what I've heard. I don't know if it's true or not. Probably. Well, if you want to come along, guys, and uh, and meet us, then. Not me, yes. if you want to come along and uh, <laughs> compete in our competition, compete in our competition then, uh, <laughs> then sign on up, guys. Really look forward to, to seeing you all and, and having a wicked time. And on today's show, we have Joe Walters, a.k.a. Texas Joe. Hello, are you all right? Yeah, how are you all? Yeah, really good, thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. 
No problem. Um, it's been it's going to be awesome to chat to you because I've seen you for quite a few years at Grillstock when I've been going to the festival, seen you judging on the stage, um, but I've never got around to actually having a chat with you, so it's going to be really nice to get to hear the whole story of Texas Joe. Indeed, maybe it will... <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, could you just start off by just introducing yourself to everyone, for anyone who doesn't know who you are? Uh, yeah, my name's Joe Walters. Uh, I'm a fellow born in Texas that's lived in England now for about five years, uh, probably most known for my beef jerky, which appeared on the Dragon's Den about three years ago, uh, and subsequently we have been doing barbecue pop-ups for a couple of years and now finally have opened up our own little barbecue joint in Bermondsey in London uh, just about six, seven months ago now. Awesome. So what, what was the experience like of going on Drag Den? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool, I guess. Uh, they, I was approached by them initially and then went in for a couple of little sessions where I did a sort of fake pitch and um, I, you know, could tell that they had some interest in it. And so I wasn't really too shocked when it came around to them saying they'd like for me to be on the show. But then it, there's a whole lot of paperwork and stuff that you have to do beforehand. So effectively, almost like from the time that I was told that I was going to go on the show till the time that I went on the show and then subsequently the show filming and then the before it aired, uh, there was just so much work to be done that I almost stopped doing what I went on the Dragon's Den to do, which was to make beef jerky. Uh, but I wasn't really too nervous about the thing because I didn't really know who any of those people were, you know, and... Um, my background in America, I am an actor, so I'm used to being on set. And uh, so none of it really was too daunting, except for the actual, when it came to the actual filming, is nearly 90 minutes on your feet, uh, you know, pitching, which is um, not exactly easy work. No, definitely not. I can't imagine they make it easy for you either. <laughs> well, yeah, it was... Uh, was actually probably a lot easier than it was for most people because I went in and they somehow uh, ended up smitten with the product and myself. So I, it sort of within the first 20 minutes shifted from me pitching my product to them pitching themselves. So each one trying to say who would be the better dragon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, that was an odd phenomena that I didn't really anticipate, but um, yeah, it, it turned out to be a great way to get the word out about the product and to sort of launch what has effectively become a brand uh, of which I am, which is a, a mysterious thing, you know, yeah. living your life as a brand is a bit odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess so. Right at the beginning, I said, "Do I introduce you as Texas Joe's?" I guess you're used to that. Yeah, I mean, the the odd thing was I moved to California from Los Angeles when, uh, in 
1997, so I lived in L.A. for nearly 12 years, and there I was known as Texas Joe already, just because there's so many Joes in the world that there's always like an identifier before a Joe. Yeah. And uh, so it wasn't... Um, I was comfortable with being known as Texas Joe. The only thing that I'm ever afraid of is that, that people would think that I'm somehow exploiting my great state. <laughs> yeah. So the beef, the beef jerky, was that something you already had developed and stuff when you were over in the U.S. and you've just brought it over here, or is it a new product you started here? Um, well, I had been making jerky. We had a bar in Los Angeles called the Redwood Bar, and uh, I had been making it as just like a bar snack that we effectively gave away um, or sold for a very cheap price for a number of years. And when I moved over here, I couldn't really figure out how on earth I could make a living. Uh, the bar business is completely different in America than it is here, where this is sort of more pub, where like more bar-led. And uh, I couldn't really find a way to make... A living, so I started up a couple of different little things that I thought could possibly work. And at the time, I had also seen uh, it was sort of the beginning of the street food thing happening in London. So people like the Rib Man and the PQ Truck were around, and I saw that there was a beginning of this interest in American food. Uh, which probably had actually been going on for a while, but in the street food world. And uh, I didn't have enough money to buy a truck or get a sort of big production going, so I thought beef jerky would work because I had tried the various beef jerkies available in the country and didn't think they were great. Uh, and so I effectively invested 250 quid in the in an Excalibur dehydrator and just started uh, making a social media profile and the product sort of took off on its own way quicker than I thought. Um, so, yeah, it was exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, I've never I've never made my own jerky. What's the kind of process to making your own jerky? Uh, well, I mean, the, the way that most people do it is in a dehydrator. Uh, and so basically you get some good quality lean meat. Um, specifically, I use topside typically or silverside. You just trim off all the fat and you make up a tasty marinade. Uh, your marinades can be pretty simple. Um, you marinate it for about two days, ideally. 24 hours is fine. Uh, and then just lay it out on racks and let it dehydrate for about five, six hours, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and you end up with a pretty decent product. Yeah. And do you like, do you smoke it as well or not? Um, at that time, I wasn't smoking it, but now our facilities are much bigger. There's a factory in uh, Forest in Scotland, and that is effectively a giant dehydrator with smoke. So there is smoke in the product now, but no, um the product that I was using is used in restaurants, but it's effectively a consumer model, and you can um, find them on Amazon or anywhere else. It's just known as an Excalibur. Okay, I have to look that up. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. 
I've sh- I'm sure I've seen in a few different recipe books as like jerky related recipes, but I've never actually gone for it and looked into it. I know you're quite a yeah. fan of jerky, Dan, aren't you? You've, you eat it now and again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Wicked um, fan. Mm. And uh, and love uh, biltong as well. Yeah. I mean, slightly different, but mm. fairly similar at the same time. Yeah, I mean, they're all effectively dried and or cured meats. Uh, but yeah, people are... You start in with us trying to get a South African to eat jerky, and uh, you're you're about to start a war. <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy down here called uh, like Privateer Jerky. I oh, think yeah, yeah. Uh, he's from uh, Devon. Oh yeah, I know the fella. Yeah, he's he's got some quite nice stuff. I've tried his stuff at a couple of events and uh, been chatting to him a bit. I think he might be entering a barbecue team at uh, Q Fest. He's uh, messaged us. He wants to do that. So mm. looks like he's getting into a bit more of a sort of broader spectrum around sort of uh, jerky. Yeah, he does. Uh, he actually does smoke his. I think on a big green egg, and yeah, it's a good product. It's uh, nice. I don't know how he can make enough uh, on an egg, but um, perhaps he has a secret that I'm not aware <laughs> of. He's, he has like a few flavors as well, doesn't he? Have like a really spicy one. I yeah, he's got like a bit. super hot one. Yeah, and then like a couple of others. I think I'm not entirely sure, but. Mm. But yeah, he has a few. I've tried actually quite a few of them. Mm. It was actually my yeah, that snack. Was what, that yeah, was my jerky business, one of the first things that I did was make sort of ultra hot jerkies because at the time that sort of hot sauce chili head scene was really huge. Uh, and I think a couple of people uh, like Alex have sort of transitioned from the hot the the hot sauce world into barbecue and. Uh, it's a pretty good hybrid, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I think clearly super hot stuff works because it's just such a big bold flavor, and that was what I was always striving for. Were things that really sort of yelled at you. Yeah, definitely. And is, is jerky something that's like been in your family, or is it? It was just you just started making it, and that's where it's come from, or is it like a passed down well, family I'm, recipe? In Texas, just jerky is everywhere you go. It's, it is road food, and um, anywhere you're driving in Texas is probably four or five hours away, so uh, you would always pull into some little gas station and there'd be some dude making some local jerky, and that's the stuff that really inspired me was just guys doing it in their garage because uh, it's, number one, a better quality product, and... Uh, Number two, just always sort of interesting, you know, you never know what you're going to find. And, uh, yeah, I mean, jerky and barbecue are just a, a huge sort of part of life in Texas. And so it's when people from home heard that, you know, I introduced uh, beef jerky to the U.K. or something, they think, what, they didn't have it all along, you know, I mean. And I didn't introduce it, but uh, I think I sort of brought it to a slightly yeah. larger audience. So, have you taken some home and like given it to your friends back back in the US? Uh yeah, they all they all liked it. Um, yeah, got their approval. Yes, they they think I I, I did well by them. <laughs> and how, it's like I guess like jerky was made like that because of like preservation, so it lasts longer, like. How long does jerky last? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, the, traditionally, the, you know, meat, 
being cured in the sun, which is effectively how they used to make jerky, uh, is like the oldest known method of preserving meat. Um, and I don't know how long that stuff made um, that you just sort of hung up and dried lasted, but our product, in order to available in grocery stores uh, or the high street, has to have a shelf life of 18 months, which is a bit trickier than uh, if you're making it at home. I'd say at home you can easily get uh, three to six months and, and if you're in some sort of airtight container. Mm. It lasts a long time. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Where, where's your, your product actually available from if people want to go out and buy it? Um, it's available on the majority of high street retailers. So we're in Tesco, Asda, the co-op, Sainsbury's, um, you know, all the big boys effectively. Yeah. And was that like some kind of the result of Dragon's Den like gave you that boost into that industry? Uh, yeah. I mean, when the Dragon's Den aired, I was in the headquarters of Sainsbury's, uh, Effectively, within three or four days, and then we were in all Sainsbury's stores two weeks after that. So, yeah, it was a pretty fast launch. Uh, and, yeah, it's been great. It, you know, I, I had no real intention for that to be where we were with the product, but i um, super happy to be there. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Cool. And then... So, so when did the restaurant come about then? So you, you launched this jerky, and and you, you, when did like sort of the restaurant become a a thing for you? Um, well, soon. Well, I, there was effectively about a six month time between the time that the Dragons then filmed and when it aired, and during that sort of time, I started doing uh, barbecue pop ups at. Camden Town Brewery uh, on the Dragon's Den James Watt who owns Brewdog the craft beer company uh, becomes a partner in my business and right around the launch time we decided that we would start doing Texas Joe's Barbecue as a pop-up in one of his London rest, uh, bars that needed a food offering and then that really went well, and it's sort of a perfect pairing, craft beer and barbecue. And so then we ended up going into another one of his locations, and then at one point had about four different little Texas Joe pop-ups uh, around cool. London. Cool. Yes, that's awesome. I didn't realize that the BrewDog guys are involved. Uh, yes, I mean, they're not. Act really that actively involved, but uh, yeah, James Watt is a partner in my business. Cool. Yeah, I'm a big fan of brew dog beers. <laughs> the craft beer revolution. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, they absolutely smashed it. There. They yeah. they just out of nowhere, like just took over. Seemed like. Mm. Yeah, I mean, James is a super ambitious and driven dude, and uh, he apparently like literally only sleeps like four hours a night and he's just uh you know he's not i think ever going to be satisfied until he has taken over the world yeah. well, he's pretty close so <laughs> yeah 
So do you serve up the Brewdog beers in your restaurant now? Uh, yeah, we have a couple, but um, we sort of have put a little more focus on local beers. Uh, so we have a lot of stuff that's nearer to us, like the Colonel and um, and Camden Town. Camden Town Brewery is a... Uh, Always been a part of my business. They're the first people who ever sell my jerky. It's the first place I ever did barbecue, and they're just good friends of mine. And despite the fact that they've been acquired by a uh, a huge company, I still uh, really dig their beers. Cool. And do you serve up like uh, more bourbons and stuff like that in the restaurant as well? Yeah, we have a big focus on. Um, on Texas products, so we have um, Texas vodka from Tito's. We have some craft whiskeys uh, and bourbons from Garrison Brothers and Balcones. And uh, yeah, there's a it's, a it's a pretty cool and exciting little thing. We have a little side area that's effectively separated from the rest of the restaurant, uh, and it's just a bar and so it's effectively a waiting room as well but uh in texas barbecue joints you never really see barbecue and booze really that much together um the barbecue joints are typically more of a lunch and family-led affair so i kind of wanted to have two separate areas so that you could get the vibe of each Mm. That's interesting. And so, like, so in Texas, if you go into a barbecue restaurant, it's probably not going to have a bar and that in it as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of the joints are just kind of mom and pop, you know, independent places, and so they uh, liquor licenses are kind of harder to come across than they are in this country, and uh, and a lot of places that do great barbecue shot by four o'clock or something so uh there's i guess just not a super need for having a lot of booze but i mean there are more upmarket offerings that do have bars but the majority of little independent places uh don't they just focus on the barbecue cool so so what's the uh what sort of menu can we expect to see if we go to texas joe's restaurant well, I've just been super focused on trying to offer like the most authentic taste of of home. Uh, I think when you go to a lot of joints in this country, you're sort of offered this America as seen through uh, some sort of psychedelic canon of a person that went on like a three week road trip and just remembers neon and tin and you know. Uh, the places end up feeling a bit gimmicky. And so I wanted to keep it really honest and uh, sort of true to what I knew and grew up with. So we just do uh, dry-rubbed brisket. Uh, We do short ribs. We have pork. uh, But we also focused on sort of what used to be on menus as well. I'm real interested in the history of barbecue so we have mutton on our menu which is uh a great product i love it hmm. so you say the history then was was mutton did mutton used to be on the menus in america then did it or yeah i mean back in the 
in the earlier days of uh, of barbecue in the South, um, it was mainly whole animal cooking and pit cooking, and um, so yeah, brisket doesn't really start becoming the go-to meat until you know the mid to late fifties when kind of boxed meat and uh, and the production system of butchering changes. Uh, barbecue in Texas was, in the beginning, the, the commercial barbecue was quite closely tied to butcher shops because they were effectively just smoking and cooking the meat that they couldn't sell off, like the prime cuts. So that's how these sort of undesirable cuts that you had to cook for a long time with some sort of mastery of technique um, became what they were cooking and selling because it was just a way to try to sell meat that wasn't the premium stuff. Yeah, so adding value, smoking it, and then Mm. making it into some delicious product and selling it on that way. So, Yeah, I mean, the majority of it, and still in... In Texas barbecue, uh, in the sort of non-hip joints, uh, the the main thing sold is a chopped beef sandwich, which is just uh, dirt cheap and sauced up, and it'll have fat in it and everything. But it's a you know a two or three dollar sandwich. And and when you say just chopped beef, is that just what any cut of beef or just? Well, nowadays it's almost always brisket, but it will be yesterday's brisket or the trimmings. Uh, so the chopped beef sandwich is just the cool. sort of budget option for the people who don't get it by the slice. Awesome. And with the mutton then, so like ribs, do you do like racks of ribs in there or are they individual ribs or what do you do for the mutton? Uh, we have mutton ribs and we also do mutton leg, which just comes like sliced off the leg and sometimes we have shoulder but uh yeah you get about four or five uh mutton ribs they're not you know as naturally as meaty as a pork rib or beef rib but uh they're super tasty yeah yeah do you do you ask like the butcher to cut them extra thick like leave some more with the belly on or or how do you get sort of ribs with with enough meat to make it sort of really worth it with the mud. Yeah, our butchers, we give them a, a speck that leaves some meat on it. Um, most of the butchers that we talk with are, you know, they're, a mutton rib isn't a kind of common cut. So sometimes if, if you do see them just in a shop, they'll just be what I call a, a shiner where they've effectively yeah. taken off all the meat uh but those are still fun to cook because you get a good little crispy, smoky bit in between the bones, yeah. and they're really cheap typically. Often, my butcher tends to have them as individuals, just you said, like little, just off cuts, really, and I just pick them up as little uh, snacks whilst I'm barbecuing, so I have them smoking <laughs> whilst I'm uh, whilst I'm cooking something bigger. A solid plan. <laughs> it's always good to get the, keep the cook uh, from being hungry, you know. Yeah. So what do you use to smoke in the restaurants then? What are you, uh, what are you cooking on? Uh, as far as our smoker goes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have a giant Southern Pride uh, rotisserie that can cook um, 500 pounds of meat 
at one. Uh, so we do typically two cooks. We do an overnight cook for lunch service and then load again in the morning so that we have two batches coming out daily of fresh meat. Awesome. Sweet. I mean, the Southern Prides look so cool. I mean, they said it's rotisserie inside the smoking unit, so it, it tends to... It, it, the idea is that it gets a much more even smoke and a, an even cook. Yeah, I'm super happy with it. Um, the options that you... I mean, I, I in Texas, always cooked on a big offset. I have a big offset trailer unit here as well, but you can't get away with that in a restaurant uh, with sort of councils and neighbors and uh, a culture of complaining so I've, when I first came here, or the, my first sort of commercial model was a, a fast eddy cook shack, um, and I wasn't really that into that. And then I bought a secondhand uh, old hickory, which was a gas burner rather than being electric, uh, and we effectively just ran it on wood, you know, because it used whole logs so yeah. we just get our fire started and then turn the gas off and that's uh pretty much the same that we do with the southern pride but i guess the thing with barbecue becoming a hip trendy thing uh it's resulted in there being a little bit more uh choice in the market um and i think any sort of Stick burner, as they say in the in the racket, uh, is a pretty good machine. I I love an old hickory as well, but uh, this Southern Pride's been pretty amazing. Awesome. Mm. I'm still still thinking about mutton actually, because you don't see it very often, do you, on barbecue restaurant menus? You must be one of the only ones, probably in London. Yeah, doing I mean, mutton. I think it's just that people you know, are trying to do something that they think that, you know, they're looking at the American model and now there aren't a whole lot of restaurants that have it. But uh, our menu at our restaurant is like an old newspaper and I got the top three barbecue journalists in Texas. I got Daniel Vaughn, Rob Walsh, and J.C. Reed each wrote a little article for our paper and one of them is a story by Daniel Vaughn that talks about the historical, uh, na- the the history of barbecues, other cuts, and you know, mutton was a huge deal on menus. And in this country, the quality of lamb and mutton is so good that it it seems really uh, foolish not to have it, uh, especially when you for barbecue's sake, typically have to turn to the U.S. for your briskets. Uh, we do put a big focus on almost all of our other meats being um, from the U.K. and local and from small uh, producers. So what, what briskets do you use in, in the restaurant, or is that top secret? Or I, I mean, we use what pretty much everyone else uses, a USDA I only use uh, Creekstone Farms, which is the same stuff that Aaron Franklin and the other big boys in Texas use. Uh, When I first started 
doing briskets over here, I was using uh, UK briskets, and they, though they did turn out pretty good, I there just was something missing with it, and uh, I had convinced myself that I actually just couldn't barbecue anymore. I didn't know that if it was my gear or uh, the wood or whatever, but then when I finally got a, a some USDA brisket and did it, I was like, ah, that that is the problem. Uh, it's just the difference between grass-fed and corn-fed and this, the nature of the animal. Uh, you know, pretty much every other cut on uh, on a UK cow uh, will be better because it's grass-fed, but for brisket, I think you really need that intermuscular fat and that sort of corn-fed beefiness to really get that tender, juicy product that you're looking for. Cool. And do you, is it only brisket that you do that with, or beef short ribs? Is that okay? We were using Creekstone short ribs, but I actually like the English short rib, uh, even though it doesn't have as much fat, uh, I still think they're great. So, no, I mean, we really tried to limit how much USDA product we're using because, you know, the sort of impact of importation and all that is, you know, it's a, it's a heavy weight to add to something. Yeah, definitely. So you, do you import it directly yourself? Uh, no, we use probably you know, a, a huge meat company that yeah. um, got into the racket. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great stuff. I'm, I swear by it. Mm. So your briskets, you said it's a dry rub on it. Is that like your own house rub that you've made? or is it just a No, I mean, rub? in Texas we use salt and pepper. And so, you know, my secret recipe is salt, pepper, and smoke. And, uh, and then it's just getting the cook right. You know, I, I don't believe in fancy rubs uh, with something like mutton or pork. You know, you might throw a little paprika in or something just really more about adding color. But I like things simple. And uh, so I, I'm literally only trying to cook the barbecue that I grew up eating. So... Uh, I, I try to stay as true to that as possible. Yeah, it's a good way to be. Yeah. As long as you're happy, hopefully everyone else will be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to try out a bit more mutton. Do you just cook it in the same way you'd be cooking lamb, or do you need to definitely go lo like even lower and slower because it, it being an older meat? No, uh, I mean, I, I think you'd probably use just about the same technique. I just like the depth. Uh, of the flavor and the and the sort of increase in the texture of it, but yeah, it's still all just low and slow and uh, and pulling at the right temperature. Have your thermopin ready. Yeah. So you mentioned movies. I'm going to go to. I'm going to bring this up. So I didn't know you were a movie star then. Uh, so it's are you uh, an actor? Uh, yes, sir. I mean, I don't know that I would really call myself a movie star. I've been in some movies and uh yeah i mean i graduated from college with a uh degree in acting and then ended up 
for a number of years in Los Angeles, making the majority of my living by awesome. being in television commercials mainly. Cool. That's uh, something really interesting, actually. Mm. Do, you, do you add? Do you add? So, how come? Do you, do you do some work here in the UK? Or are you happy with the barbecue now, and you don't don't really do much more? Or you're still doing a bit no, of I, sort of acting and stuff on the side, and just do it as yeah, you enjoy. Yeah, I still it? act um, quite a bit. I don't. Uh, I don't ever try to pretend to be an Englishman. So my my <laughs> the number of parts available for me are uh, uh, somewhat reduced. But there's a lot of production that happens in the UK and in Europe and uh, a few months ago I was filming in Serbia for a couple of weeks and I've been to Beirut to film and I've been just all over the place but uh, yeah it's a, it, it, it is a big part of who I am and it's what I'm trained to do and so uh, it's nice to not have to rely on it yes yeah, it's a really cool so sort of different Different thing that I, I I wasn't aware of at all, which yeah. is which is quite cool. Different a uh, bit of a different story. Yes, sir. There's a a, a movie that I did with a produce uh, with an English director named Jim Hosking that came out premiered last year at the Sundance Film Festival, and this year won a BAFTA for a Discovery Award. And it's a pretty weird movie called The Greasy Strangler. <laughs> Sounds wicked. <laughs> <laughs> and in it, I play a, a pig man named Oinker. <laughs> I'll check it out. It sounds up my street. <laughs> so it is rather disturbing, though, so be careful. <laughs> Surprised you haven't added that onto your menu, something called the Oinker now. Could be linking it back to the movie. <laughs> well, the, the, the two identities are relatively separate. You know, I don't play on being... Uh, an actor in the Texas Joe's world, and I don't ever reference being Texas Joe in the acting world. Until now. <laughs> <laughs> We've Secret caught you now. now. <laughs> Everyone's going to know now. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier the uh, Camden, Camden Town Brewery, and you, you teamed up with them with Brisket Fest in 2015? Uh, yeah, we did it for... Yeah, we did it for two years. We did 2014 and 2015. 2016, when I had it scheduled, was right about the time that we were in the sort of final stretch of getting the restaurant opened. So I put off doing it because uh, it is something that I sort of exclusively organize, and it's a decent amount of work. Uh, but we should be back this year, fingers crossed, uh, with a bigger and better little festival. Awesome. So what sort of thing goes on at Brisket Fest? Um, well, basically it's just eight. Um, I think last year I had 12, but the first year I had eight of like the top brisket guys in town. So I had like Prairie Fire, Miss Pease, um, Neil Rankin, Smokestack, just everybody who is doing um, Texas-style barbecue or just barbecue in general, uh, doing brisket. And the thing that I, I mean, I love all these festivals that go on, but the thing that I always find annoying about them 
is that you you pay a big entry price to get in, and then you still have to buy food. And so the unique thing about Brisket Fest is with your ticket, you get uh, a ticket to each of the stands to try everybody's food offering, and you get a free beer. Nice. So I just wanted to make it like a more of a celebration. I also really dislike competition, uh, specifically in regards to food. Uh, so I didn't want there to be any winner. I try to discourage people who would attend from trying to list their favorite, even because it's just more of a celebration of the brotherhood of barbecue and the wonders of brisket. Um, so I just want everybody to sort of temporarily step out outside of the nature of the human animal to be competitive and just uh, revel in the glory of the unity of a community. <laughs> Perfect. And eat as much brisket as you want. Yeah, people leave very full. Uh, last year I ended up with 12 teams and people were actually complaining that there was too much food, which I thought <laughs> was pretty amazing. Uh, I wasn't forcing them to eat it, but uh, but no, it's a great time, and uh, yeah, hopefully we should have some details about it coming out sometime uh, soon. Awesome. I'll be coming this year, so yeah, I don't think there'll be a, a brisket overload. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> we can eat enough for everyone else. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, so watch out for that and watch out for the announcements at brisketfest.com and hopefully you'll release some information soon. Do you have like any like music and stuff as well or is it just purely uh, here's some brisket? No, yeah, yeah last year I had a couple of my friends' bands, but yeah, it is, uh, it's just, yeah, it's not really marketing, I don't market it as, a festival or anything it's just kind of i like that it's been relatively uh low profile and small scale uh but i think this year will end up being a bit bigger beast cool look forward to it will you be at Grillstock again uh i reckon i'll be out there i was supposed to be there again this year uh or this past year but uh, again, that ended up being the the Fourth of July weekend, and our grand opening was on the Fourth of July. So I uh, had to give up my judging sp- space to the fair, uh, Mr. Marcus Bowden. Oh yes, and I'm sure he was very glad that you did. <laughs> yes, he's he's excited, and I uh, I guess a, probably a better ambassador for the for the teams than I am. Sure, I just wanted to eat lots of food. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that first year that I did it was just completely overwhelming because I was judging all four of the main categories, and so it sounds like a great time. But when you end up having to get through twenty-two different chicken size, your uh, the enthusiasm drains from your soul pretty quickly and if I see another box full of parsley in my life I could vomit instantly (laughs) it's a hard job but someone's got to do it (laughs) indeed 
Cool. Well, thank you very much, Joe, for coming on the show today. It's been awesome to get to hear the full story of Texas Joe. Well, thank you for having me. No problem. Um, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you on social media and the website and stuff? Yeah, on Twitter and Instagram, it's Texas Joe's. Uh, the website is texas-joes.com because somebody had texasjoes.com, which is interestingly a rib restaurant somewhere in the Philippines. <laughs> uh, we are located in Bermondsey, uh, the closest station near to us in London is uh, London Bridge, and we're open seven days a week there, so come visit us at Texas Joe's Slow Smoked Meats. Awesome. We'll definitely do that next time we're up we'll in the area. We'll see you next time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for having me, guys. Cheers, Awesome, mate. cheers, Bye-bye. Cheers, bye. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We've recorded yet another awesome podcast. Get you over hump day. As always, we're brought to you by Pro Q, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. Pro Q is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top notch service and free advice for beginners to pit masters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Pro Q Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade, or looking for charcoal cabinet smokers, check them out over at Max Barbecue. And Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the United States and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. And Komodo Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation from smoking, roasting or searing. Komodo Joe is the premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin star chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check them out at komodojoe.co.uk and Facebook and Twitter. And finally, Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. So if you're looking for smoking wood chunks, dust, chips or planks, Head on over to smokewoodshack.com and you can find them on Twitter under Smokewood Shack. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. I'm the best Bobby. I'm